Today we're going to explore a really fun and interesting topic known as sexual market value. Now if you've ever been into an online forum, particularly one focused on dating and relationships, particularly one that focuses on the perspective of men in dating and relationships, no doubt you've encountered this term very frequently. This term is particularly popular because it helps men to understand why it feels like some men find dating and attraction very easy, while they themselves may find dating and attraction to be a tremendous struggle. So today we're going to explore the concept of sexual market value. We're going to explore whether it's real and exactly how it works. We're also going to explore how men and women see the concept of sexual market value differently, where the concept can be very misleading and create huge problems for you. We're going to explore how to maximize your own sexual market value and how to improve your dating opportunities in your own dating and relationship world. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. So first off, what exactly is sexual market value, also known as SMV? Sexual market value is a very simple concept. The idea is that when it comes to dating and attraction, sexual attraction, relationships, that all humans fall into a kind of comparative marketplace where the most attractive humans in a given market would be rated at the top of the scale. They'd be rated as a valuation of perhaps 10. Whereas the least attractive people in that same group would be rated as low as a one, meaning very sexually unattractive. And anyone in the middle would be rated at roughly a five or a six. As men, we find this scale very comforting and we find it very, very objectively understandable. Because we place such an enormous importance on physical attractiveness and looks, perhaps even other attributes that we can quickly see, such as the sound of someone's voice or the way that they move, it's very easy for us to objectively rate uh, someone that we see on a scale of one to 10. We don't need to know who they are. We don't need to see them in person. We could see them perhaps on video. We could even see a photo of someone and pretty immediately assign a sexual attractiveness score to pretty much anyone. And there's a reason that your brain finds this process incredibly easy to do, and it's all about your dopamine system. Your brain's dopamine system is all about helping you to find those things in your world that it sees as being most beneficial to you. If you look at an apple, your brain might say, hey, that has an interest level of four and a half. If you look at a cupcake, you might say, oh, that's a six and a half. You see a slice of pizza for you, that might be an eight. Whereas a steak might be a solid 9.5. Your brain has its own measurement and perception of what it sees as being optimally good for you. And it's going to give you different levels of dopamine and motivation to pursue those things. You'll feel more excitement, more attraction to the things that your brain scores higher. 
And yes, that absolutely includes people as well. This is very important to understand is that there is a part of your brain that's constantly gauging and evaluating the world and trying to draw your attention to what it sees as the tastiest opportunities that you should consider pursuing. If you step back and take a look at what your brain's doing in this process, you'll notice that there are three key components that go into your evaluation of your attraction to someone. The first one is this sort of evolutionary psychology, this sort of built-in wiring of what you see as attractive without anyone else telling you. For men, these attributes tend to be things such as uh, a woman's smile, how her hair looks, her facial features, her body shape, how fit she is, things such as her breast size or the shape and size of her butt or her hips. Even things like voice tone, skin color, complexion, her sense of style, all things we can see, hear, smell, perhaps even taste, which give us a sense of how likely this woman is to be a good sexual partner. However, there are quite a few other very significant factors that go into your personal 1 to 10 rating scale. One of them is your social influences. Depending on the culture that you grew up in, depending on the friends that you grew up with, depending on your parents and your society, all of these factors have a huge influence that you may not be aware of in what you see as attractive and what you see as unattractive. And a third key category to be aware of is your past experiences. If you see a girl who you would rate as very attractive, but she reminds you of someone that you had a very negative experience with, very likely you won't see her as attractive. Likewise, you might see a girl that you would rate as perhaps a six on your scale of 10 attractiveness, but she reminds you of someone that you had a fantastic experience with or perhaps a fantastic crush on in high school and she will immediately be far more attractive to you. So this is the first concept I really want to lay down. It's the first big flaw that I see in the concept of sexual market value is that the scale of sexual market value is not at all objective. It is a very, very personal, very subjective assessment of what you personally find attractive. I have this kind of discussion all the time with the guys at Brojo because I find it quite fascinating. For some reason that I cannot quite explain, I personally find myself very attracted to Eastern Asian women of all different kinds of cultures, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, Filipino, Malaysian. And from a purely physical standpoint, I have a very specific set of preferences that I've become aware of. I prefer a very fit body, uh, someone who does perhaps gym or perhaps yoga or goes running. I prefer slightly longer hair, I prefer a fairly petite body, someone who's a bit shorter than me. I like very, very dark, jet black, shiny, shiny hair. 
and I prefer smaller breasts, smaller hips. I prefer someone who has a more athletic and petite build. And I couldn't tell you why this is. If you were to put a room full of attractive women in front of me and ask me to rate them purely on looks on a scale of one to 10, for some reason, every Asian woman in the room would get three additional points. Now, if I take that same group of women and I show them to many of the other men at Brojo, we get a very different scoring evaluation. A lot of the men I talk to at Brojo find this quite fascinating because they much prefer the European style, blonde hair, blue eyes, large breasts, ample hips. This is what they find most attractive, extremely different from my own personal one to 10 scale. But here's the thing, it hasn't always been that way. If you asked me what I found most attractive when I was in high school, I would have definitely said blonde girls, ample breasts, cute nose, long blonde hair. Probably I would have also leaned towards athletic and slightly petite, but other than that, it would have been a very, very different set of characteristics that I found most attractive. So this is the second key lesson about sexual market value is that our evaluation of what we find attractive and sexy and appealing changes. Changes over time. It changes with our life experiences. It changes based on what we're looking for in different parts of our life. It changes based on our cultural influences, what we're exposed to. It probably changes based on even what's available in our world, the type of people that we actually can date. So you can see pretty quickly that the concept of sexual market value begins to fall apart when you look at it closely. It's really not as objective as we think. There is an enormous amount of subjectivity in our individual tastes, our individual experiences, our individual cultures. That means that each of us has our own unique set of criteria in how we identify a good sexual partner. It's also not consistent within our own lives. It changes as we change. But there's a third very significant important area which is the idea that both men and women see sexual market value similarly. From what I can tell in all of my coaching with women and all of my coaching with men, we have a very different approach to how we evaluate a good sexual partner. Make no mistake, we both are looking for good sexual partners. We both have our own means of identifying good candidates. But whereas men's interests tend to focus more on physical attributes primarily, and in a secondary way, uh, emotional attributes, family situation, interest in having children, quality as a good mother perhaps. But for women, there is a much more significant variety of criteria that she uses to identify a good potential sexual partner. Now, looks, of course, is going to be a part of this, but it's going to be quite different for different women in the same way that it's different for me than perhaps many of the other men at Brojo. If you ask a woman what she prefers in a man physically, some woman will identify 
his eyes, his hair, perhaps his build, perhaps she likes lots of muscle on her man, or perhaps it's very easy for her to find too much muscle on a particular guy. Could be his smile, could be a six pack, whereas for other women, that's just too much, it's overdone, it's even slightly confronting. But looks is a relatively small part of the picture for many women compared to where it fits into our algorithm as men. For a woman, other attributes that really significantly play a role are personality. Is he funny? Can he make her laugh? Or is he serious and really wants to commit to a good relationship, a good family type mindset? Or is he very extroverted and very popular? Once I met a girl who was very extroverted. She was talking about the boyfriend that she just met who she actually quite liked. He was incredibly introverted. He wouldn't talk to anyone. She loved that. She loved that she could go home after a day out with her friends, chatty chatty at work, go home, and it was just quiet, and she felt like nothing was expected of her in terms of social interaction from a conversation level. Well, what about the guy who would be a really good dad or the guy who loves dogs? This kind of guy will be very, very appealing to some women. But again, not all. Or how about the guy who's a really good home handyman who takes responsibility for constantly improving his environment, keeping things in working order? Or the guy who's quite wealthy, who can provide a lot of creature comforts in life and a lot of financial security? Sure, for a lot of women, there's going to be some clear advantages to that situation. Other women would give that all up to meet a guy who was deeply emotional. The musician or the poet, someone very creative, who's very in touch with his emotions and who she can connect with very strongly on a deep emotional level. If you step back and look at this huge range of different criteria that women use in their evaluation, you can see something very important here, is that the male concept of sexual market value is very top heavy, very, very focused on one core set of attributes being physical attributes. Whereas a woman's sexual market value and how she rates men is gonna be very, very dependent on that woman and where she is in her life and what she's looking for. And it is gonna change dramatically. This is a very, very powerful realization because you can see straight off the bat that whatever area of yourself, whatever area of your life you choose to invest in and develop, you are going to be incredibly attractive to some women who are looking for that. And this is exactly why I dislike the term sexual market value, because the value is very, very subjective rather than objective, and there isn't just one market. For men, there are many, many, many different markets 
that we can choose to put ourselves in. We can be in the great sex partner market or the great dad market or the great provider market or the guy who makes women laugh market, the emotionally available guy, the emotionally sensitive artist, the guy that she can feel safe with, who can protect her because he knows how to fight and he won't back down from a fight. The guy that her parents approve of market. There are so many different criteria that women use in their selection of a good romantic mating dating partner that as a man you have all the advantage here. And there is so much freedom in really embracing this understanding because what it means is that whatever you're good at, pick any area at all, double down and invest in that area and you're going to do just fine. All you need to do is improve some area of your life so that you have something to offer as a partner and then go find the women who can connect deeply with that. So let's stop and reflect carefully on what we can see so far. If you're a man who has embraced the concept of sexual market value and felt uncomfortable with the idea, chances are you've found it a struggle to date, to connect with women. And although the concept of sexual market value gave you an explanation for why it was difficult, your sense that you are rated low on that scale, on the scale of women in general, probably puts you in a very unhappy place. It probably felt suddenly like the dating world that you live in is very competitive, it's very heavily ranked, it's very shallow, it's more about what you have than who you are, it will feel very easy to be objectively analyzed and scored by women when what you're actually wanting is a deep and emotionally intimate personal relationship. And when you do feel judged, it's very easy to feel excluded. It's very easy to feel resentment towards women, even women in general. And all of this is because of the idea that you are helpless you can't control her algorithm and you're probably going to grow old and die alone. Now when some of you think about this you probably want to cry because as men when we're trying to figure out social relationships, dating, sexual relationships which are very important to us, uh, we place a huge huge amount of value on how people of the opposite sex uh, assuming we're heterosexual, um, feel about us, about whether we are liked, about whether we are accepted, about whether we are appreciated, about whether we have options in the dating world. And uh, I want to tell you, if you stop and look at yourself, if you stop and look at the world around you honestly, you have all the options. Knowing this is very, very useful because it gives you a very clear direction for where to invest your time and your attention and your energy in your self-development, in developing who you are as a person, as well as in your lifestyle design. If you think that you would enjoy having a family, you'd enjoy being a dad, You'd enjoy having a home and a white picket fence, an environment where you can go home and play with the kids and give your wife some hugs and cuddles and cook dinner together. 
develop in those skills. Develop in skills where you can make some money, provide some support for your family, develop parenting skills, and you've just significantly raised your sexual market value for women who are looking for a partner in that market. If you want instead to build a deep and meaningful romantic emotional connection, then you can work on developing your empathy skills, your communication, your self-awareness of your own emotions, your communication skills. If instead you're looking for a deep and satisfying sexual connection, invest in becoming a better lover. Learn yoni massage or learn tantric massage. Go take Thai massage classes. Get a subscription to the website omgs.com where you can learn all sorts of great sexual techniques and how to pleasure the woman that you care for. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this. The key thing is to choose what you want to develop in your world in terms of your own value, in terms of the life that you can offer to a partner and invest. The concept is very simple. If you want a garden that has great fruits and vegetables in it, start building the garden. Start tending the garden. Make a really nice garden. Things will grow in it. What we tend to do instead is just stand in our yard, which is barren, look across the fence sorrowfully, wondering why they have so many fruits and vegetables and we have none. Basically, everything that you want in this world is available to you, even things which other people have to give to you, such as respect, love, attention, appreciation. All you have to do is develop yourself, your world, your life, the parts that you exclusively are in control of, and the world will respond to you. But here is the essential thing to understand. Wishful thinking is not going to get you the life that you want. There is no magical law of attraction where if you sit back and hope hard enough that uh, the world is suddenly going to give you everything you ever dreamed of. If you are a farmer and you own a piece of land and you don't work it, it's not going to grow anything tasty and nutritious for you to feed you and your family. Likely, you will starve. So be very, very aware that making yourself better, making your life better, making your world better is all about the discipline of well-thought, carefully planned, consistent self-development. There's one more important thing that I really want to address and kick to the curb here because it is a personal pet peeve of mine. In fact, I identify it as being total bullshit. And this is the perspective that a lot of men have in online communities that men as a gender are somehow disadvantaged when it comes to dating and relationships compared to women who have all the advantages. Now, I understand why men could develop this perspective. We feel like we are the ones who are required to initiate everything. And we see that as a disadvantage. It feels difficult to approach. It feels painful to get rejected, particularly when we're not experienced with it, particularly when we attach too much to the outcome of an invitation that we give or a compliment that we share to someone. 
And we often develop this perspective, men online often develop this perspective that women are the gatekeepers, that men say yes, 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 and women say no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. And that as a result, men feel frustrated. We also feel frustrated by the fact that there are so many different possible definitions of what makes a good man. To some women, it's the guy who's super hot, has the buff body. To other women, it's the guy who owns the Porsche and the mansion. To other women, it's the funny guitarist who's penniless and has nothing but can whip out poetry in the middle of the night. To another woman, it's the the romantically intimate, deeply passionate lover. To other women, it's the great father figure who can really commit to his children and his family. As men, this can feel very confronting. Which path do you choose? How are you any of these things? How do you develop becoming better at any of these things? How do you make yourself attractive to women? But here's the absolutely beautiful thing about this situation for men, is that no matter who you are, no matter what gifts you have or what gifts you don't have, you can make yourself attractive to someone. You can invest in an area of your life where someone is really going to appreciate who you are and the life that you can give her. That means that as a man, you are in total control of building the life that you want. All you do is identify your core values, who you are, who you are as your most authentic self, invest in yourself in those areas to become the best person that you can be. And the women that you attract into your world are gonna be the best possible partners you could have for the rest of your journey on this planet. Now let's turn things around for a second and look at things from the female perspective. To a woman, her sexual market value is biased very, very heavily to one thing, how she looks, how physically attractive she is. What that essentially means is if you are unfortunate enough to be a physically attractive woman, uh, your only option is really to either pursue a very physically unattractive man and hope for the best, or you could possibly get really, really good at makeup and plastic surgery. In a sense, who you are as you are will never be good enough for the majority of men out there if your sexual market value on the scale of physical attractiveness is say a three or less. This is a very, very harsh reality and it explains very clearly why things such as makeup and plastic surgery and regular gym and yoga practice are so central to women's lives. I go to the gym quite early some mornings and I also hit my yoga studio occasionally at 6 a.m. just for kicks to see how much I can push myself. You wanna know who else is there? It's not guys. They are all women. The gym is full. The yoga studio is full. It is all women. And the reason's very simple. They've got no other options. This is the only thing that they can do to invest 
in themselves, in their lives, to increase their attractiveness enough that men will pursue them. And this is another thing that's very important to understand. As a man, we tend to see uh, the requirement, the social requirement that men initiate connections, that we are the first ones to express our attraction to a woman, we see that as a curse. We see that as unfair. We see that as a huge, uncomfortable disadvantage in the game of dating and relationships. But again, let's look at this from the women's perspective. Who approaches women? If you remember the Me Too campaign online, the revelations of women being continually sexually harassed by men who have no barriers, who have no sense of respect, who have no real sense of appreciation for women, and who are purely, directly, openly, aggressively pursuing uh, their sexual interests around women. Whereas the guy that she likes, she has to wait and hope that he is going to ask her out. And if he doesn't, she has no idea whether he's just a bit shy, anxious, awkward, or whether he just doesn't like her at all. In my coaching, I constantly encounter women who feel absolutely trapped in this kind of situation and simply don't know what to do. Should I say something? Should I do something? Do I just wait? How do I give signals? How do I tell if he likes me? And it feels absolutely paralyzing. Whereas for men, at least socially, we have an absolute green light. We even have the expectation to be assertive, to tell someone that we like them and to invite them to explore some kind of friendship, activity-based relationship, romantic relationship, or sexual relationship with them. As men, we absolutely need to see this as a gift. This freedom is incredible. And if you're wasting those opportunities, I'm sorry to say, but that's 100% on you. There are many, many resources that Projo has to help you overcome fear, to figure out how to say hello, how to invite someone into a deep and meaningful connection, how to give gifts. If you're not sure where to start, just message us. Dig through our podcast at brojo.fm. Dig through our YouTube channel at brojo.tv. We've got hundreds of articles and videos and podcasts specifically on this topic to help you build the deep and meaningful connections that you crave.